0: Having this sermon this morning in uh, Malachi, I told Pastor I was thinking of something in the Old Testament. I was thinking Nehemiah, Hosea, Amos, one of those things, but kind of, I kind of camped on Malachi. And Malachi is suspected to be in the time of Nehemiah. You can see in uh, chapter 13 of Nehemiah, Verse 6, when he has left Jerusalem and went back to Babylon to meet with the king, because he left for a short period of time, but he's going to check back up with him and tell him the progress of what all is going on. And it's suspected that that's about the time when this letter was written and Malachi, his ministry, was going on. If you read through the books of Ezra and Nehemiah, you can see the difficulties that were going on and what they were battling. Because they had been back into the promised land for about a hundred years. But it seemed it wasn't all that they had remembered and it was very difficult. The temple didn't look like they remembered. They were trying to rebuild it because it had been destroyed. It's like, okay... So it it was difficult. And then reading through Ezra and Nehemiah, you can see how they were, and here in Malachi, that they were slowly drifting back to how they were before they went into exile. The old practices were coming back and it wasn't good. And with that, We'll get ready to go on to begin. So, but let's have a word of prayer, Master. We see your grace. We see your sovereignty. We see the providence that you have provided all of your people. And too often, even today, our vision can be clouded. And we ask, Lord, that you will give us clarity of eyes and clarity of mind to see in this crazy world in this 2022 even with all the ugly that's around us you have not left your throne you are still the sovereign and we serve you may your lives bring you glory And may you be pleased. Open our eyes and our hearts to see ourselves as you see us. For those that you have redeemed, encourage the hearts to walk continually closer. And for those who may not realize who you are, open their eyes to see you, that they may repent and begin following you. Thank you, Lord. Be glorified. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I have, as the text has said, kind of uh, given the title of this message, um, How Hast Thou Loved Us? If you've done any sharing of the gospel with a lot of with anyone, you will hear something possibly similar to that. Uh, how is God all love with all this ugly that's all around us? Um, and trying to make excuses, but they're not seeing. Help us to be able to see and to communicate the truth of God to show His love for us. That we stand before Him accepted in the Beloved only because of, as was sung, because of Christ Jesus, because of His actions, because of His fulfillment, and because of His calling. Remember, And to broadcast that message because there's a world around us who has no clue. Their eyes have been blinded. May God use us to turn the lights on that they may see. In the life, as I've shared uh, a little bit, the frustrations. The temple didn't look like it was when they had gone into exile. And they tried their best to put it together, but it really, it, it didn't have the splendor that was there before. The prosperity that was promised to Israel, they weren't feeling it, they weren't experiencing this prosperity And some hearts were hardened and just drifted away. Messiah hadn't come. And many said, What's the point? And again, as you share the gospel message with people, you may hear, And what's the point? Sharing with those who may be more affluent. Says, why do I need God? If I need something, I'll just go buy it. What can God give me? And say like, more than your money can afford you. But this this thinking, and especially in our world today, and more specifically in our America today, the eyes are blind. So we need to go and broadcast this message that by the power of God, that his sovereignty will be uh, demonstrated and that they will see their need to humbly repent of their rebellion against God. Because America is clearly drifting in some direction, but God is the only is the only anchor that we can hold to, that we can rely upon. In our text, in uh, verse 2 through 5, we'll kind of group these together. When he uh, says, I have loved you, says the Lord of hosts. But you say, how hast thou loved us? We see also in the book of Ezekiel where God made the promises I'm going to bring you out of exile. Not for your sake. Not because you're good enough. But He returned them from exile. He says, for His name's sake. Because of the goodness of Him. What He has done. So that no one will be mocking God anymore. Saying, oh... Your God wasn't strong enough to keep you in your land. He says, no, our God, because we rebelled, has kicked us out of our land. But he brought them back for his name's sake, so that his name would not be blasphemed and mocked. This is the, this is the battle They were facing here in the time of Malachi, and kind of as what we're facing today. It's the same, it's nothing new, it's the same battle that mankind is facing. We don't trust God, we don't believe God, we don't believe God has our best interests. We think God is trying to keep us down, not to hold us up as His Word declares. That's the same lie that was given back in the garden since the fall of man. Remember back in Genesis chapter 3, just a couple verses, everyone most likely will remember these verses. When Eve was confronted by the serpent, in Genesis 3, Verse 1 Now the serpent was more crafty than any beast of the field, which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Indeed, has God said you should not eat from any tree of the garden? And the woman said to the, to the serpent, From the fruit of the trees of the garden we may eat, but from the fruit of the tree which is in the middle of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat from it or touch it lest you die. And the serpent said to the woman, you surely shall not die. But God knows that in the day you eat from it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. And this same story is played out. Everywhere, every day, Israel was back in their homeland. But yet, as I, we're back in our homeland. It's just not what it used to be. It's difficult. They've got those people around them that have been uh, twisting them and just confusing. Confusing those who want to follow the Lord. And that's the same thing that's happening today. They say, well, 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 what is God doing? If God is so loving, why does he let this happen? Why, why do you have codes? Why do you have this? Why do you... Uh... People are being taking it and twisting things to justify themselves. But the nation of Israel was uh, confounded and confused and not realizing that God's providence, God's sovereignty can be relied upon. And that applies even today with us that as we look to him as our satisfaction, as our prize, as our treasure, we don't need the stuff that the world says, Oh, you need this. We need Jesus. We need to know Him, and to love Him, and to adore Him, and to stay devoted to Him. Not to just look like the world. The nation of Israel, as they're back out of captivity as they were drifting back into the same old routines and the wickedness that they had before being sent and the reasons why they went into captivity, went to exile, that was all starting to come back. And thankfully, the prophets had been declaring before they went into exile, Malachi, Nehemiah, Ezra, they were declaring, this is not right to open their eyes so that they may see the word of god reminds us as here in these verses when god is trying to remind israel says jacob i have loved out of all the descendants of the world those i have chosen jacob Not all these other people, but it was Jacob. It was Israel that I had made a covenant with. That you experienced the prosperity that God, not that they had done, but that God had provided. They were trusting in Him. People try to have taken these verses, well, he doesn't really mean what he just said, Jacob I loved and Esau I hated. I'm just going to say what the Scripture says. If God says, Jacob I loved, Esau I hated, who am I to argue with God? I am not, I don't have all of his intellect and understanding, but if this is what he says, I will trust him. And it was evident through the lives that God's blessings was not upon every nation, but it was upon Jacob, it was upon Israel. Even in Edom, they were destroyed. Nebuchadnezzar, when he came and destroyed uh, Jerusalem, well, he didn't hang around and go back home. He also was excited and went from Jerusalem. He was down into Edom, and he destroyed that. And as the text says, though Edom, in verse 4, though Edom says we have been beaten down, but we will return and build the ruins, build up the ruins. Thus says the Lord of hosts, they may build, but I will tear down. And men will call the wicked territory, the people toward whom... The Lord is indignant forever. God did this. He's not restoring Edom. He didn't bring the folks, the Edomites back. He says, no. He brought Israel back from their captivity to demonstrate more of God's goodness and His holiness and His purity and His power. That God would be exalted, God would be worshipped, God would be adored. That the rest of the world would see and say, that's what their God does. Their God is not like all of ours that we have. He is the one true and living God. We're reminded a couple of verses in the book of Romans, pretty much a quotation of that in Romans 9, verse 6 through 13. As the Lord was using Paul to write to the church in Rome, some do as they do today, put on the facade, put on the give the appearance that they're walking with a God, that they know Him, and that God knows them. But he says, again, in Romans chapter 9, But it is not as though the word of God has failed, but they are not all Israel who are descended from Israel. Neither are they all children, because They are Abraham's descendants. But through Isaac, your descendants will be named. That is not the children of the flesh who are children of God, but the children of the promise are regarded as descendants. For as in a word of promise... At this time, I will come and Sarah shall have a son. And not only this, but there was Rebecca also when she had conceived twins by one man, our father Isaac. For though the twins were not yet born and had not done anything good or bad, In order that God's purpose, according to his choice, might stand. Not because of works, but because of him who calls. It was said to her, the older will serve the younger. Just as it is written, Jacob I loved, but Esau I hated. Our walking with God, our claiming to be a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, isn't because, well, I knew better. It's because I wasn't as bad as that one. And I've heard that. I made the comment in a sermon one time years ago, when God saved your sorry, miserable hide. And then going out the door, this one fellow said, no, no preacher, <laughs> I wasn't as bad as you. <laughs> and we we're still shaking hands. I said, well, I promise, brother, that your wickedness may, have not, may not have manifested itself out in the same way mine did, but you were just as obnoxious in the nostrils of a holy God as I was. He pulled his hand back real quickly and walked out the door. May God have mercy. Instead of saying, well, I'm not as bad as that one. Yes, you and I are. It's only by His grace that we are claiming redemption. It's not because we're just not as bad as somebody else. We're just as vile. We're just as wicked. It's only by His grace that we have any hope of redemption. And how... When Israel was going back, and sometimes, as you read through the Book of Romans, this is what we have: Abraham uh, uh, as our father. And again, in that chapter, you can see this: like God can raise children to Abraham from this box of rocks. It's like don't think uh, just because you're his descendants that you are his automatically, and God has to bless you. It doesn't come from our lineage, our heritage, our family line. It's by the grace of God that any of us stand and are accepted in the beloved. How has thou loved us? If anybody asked you, how has God loved you? What answers would you give? Would it be, as in our cultural today, well, I have this, and I have this, and I have this, looking at pointing at stuff? So, look at my stuff. God has to bless me, or it must has clearly have been blessing me. No. Because there's other passages we can go to, but due to the sake of time, we won't go through all of them, but just go and look through the Scriptures. Our redemption and our Place in the beloved is because of him and because of him who calls, so that he receives the glory, not because I wasn't that bad. Because yes, we are. That's just the truth of the matter. Pastor have gone through uh, these verses in times past, and again. Beautiful verses. And it's a reminder when someone wants to be uh, too... I don't know if this is a real word, but I think it is. uh, Too braggadocious. Again. We homeschooled our children, but thankfully, my bride taught the English. She had... Greek words after her name, I think only thing after mine was thank the Lord, get him out of here. (laughs) But it's not because look what I am, look what I've done. No, it's because look what God has done. Somebody as violent as wicked as I am, he had mercy on so that he receives the praise, he receives the honor, he receives the glory. He receives the praise. Psalm 115, verse 1. Not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to your name. (laughs) Give the glory. He gets the glory. It's not for us. It's all for Him. But a reminder of where we came from, or where we come from, this is for all of us. In Ephesians 2, first couple of verses in that chapter reminds us and you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world according to the prince of the power of the air of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience among them we too all formerly lived In the lust of the flesh and indulging in the desires of the flesh and of the mind. And were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. And I've tried to remind folks when as I used to I just I knew just enough Bible verses to be dangerous. I wasn't redeemed, but there was a few things I I think i would heard, so I'm going to regurgitate them and make it sound like I'm okay. When he tells us we were dead and our trespasses and sins, what can a dead man accomplish? What can a dead man do? The answer is nothing. The dead man can't make himself undead. The dead man can't say, you know, I really don't like, My apartment that I have here, (laughs) I want to get another one. You don't have that choice. As I've said in the past, all a dead man can do is stink. And you and I, if you will claim, and if you do claim the name of the Lord Jesus Christ as your Redeemer and your King and your God, we have to say the same thing. We we couldn't save ourselves. But God, in his infinite mercy, <laughs> said you. Not because you're just not as bad as some others, you're just as wicked. But I am exercising my sovereign choice. And we can see there in verse four of Ephesians 2. But God being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us. If you ever have the thought, how, has, how have you loved us, God? How have you loved me, God? There's your answer. You and I were dead in our trespasses and sins and by and only by his grace and mercy and for his glory that he has redeemed us. If you're here and you don't know Him, you can't say that confidently. Go to Him. Read through the Scriptures. I pray the Holy Spirit will open your eyes and your hearts to see the truth and the beauty of our God. And that you will cling to Him and claim Him and uh, hold to Him. And live your life for His glory and for His honor. Because that's the only reason that we're alive now is to give Him praise. Another verse over in the book of Colossians. Pretty much the same, kind of the same if you read through and just see what does the text tell us. In Colossians chapter 1, He says in verse 13 For he delivered us from the dominion of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption. The forgiveness of sins. What was our activity here? <laughs> we didn't have one. God had the activity. He's the one who, who transferred us. We were part of the kingdom of darkness, but He has qualified us and made us a part of His beloved Son. It's by His actions, for His glory, and for His name's sake that anyone has been redeemed. Yes, God is a God of love. But do we realize if God never redeemed anyone, He would still be just as loving and just as right. It's not because, oh, how mean He is. No, He is just. He is holy. He is pure. We are not. Except through Christ. We look to Him as our peace, as our hope. How has God loved you? He has redeemed us. If you're going to name the name of Christ, it's not that you were just better than someone else, because you were just as vile, just as wicked, and just as worthy of His condemnation. As anyone else. Whatever you can imagine. Is the worst thing anybody could do. Deserving of hell. Realize you and I. Were in that same category. We were just as worthy. Of his condemnation. That by his grace. And only by his grace and mercy. That he has redeemed any one of us. in their confusion, in their wondering, well, maybe, how has God loved us? Well, the Holy Spirit is using, speaking through Malachi, and you see the rest of the text. Where he says in verse 6, back in Malachi chapter 1, a son honors his father, and a servant his master. Then if I am a father... Where's my honor? And if I am a master, where's my respect? Says the Lord of hosts to you, O priests, who despise my name. But you say, How have we despised thy name? Our actions. We know in our, in our culture today, can't say for other places, but here in America, we have a lot of people who say, yes, I'm a Christian. I used to say that. I used to say, yes, I'm a Christian. I told T to when we were dating in high school, yes, I'm a Christian. I was no more a Christian than a stray dog because I didn't know what one was. And again, as I've shared, when I got in boot camp, getting my dog tags ready. He said, What's your religion? I said, Christian. I said, no, we don't have that. Said, Are you Catholic? No. Are you Jewish? No. Are you Protestant? No. I'm a Christian. He goes, Do you go to a Catholic church? Said, no. Do you go to a Jewish synagogue? I said, No. Then you're Protestant. I said, "What's that? Anything that's not Catholic or Jewish? Okay. And of course, if I had my dog tags, they even spelled Protestant Rome. P R O D E S Protestant. It was the Marine Corps, so just cut him some slack. <laughs> Spelling as was mine." Not on the highest level. Uh, phonics didn't work for me. But uh, that's what my dog said, Prodestant. I was like, sure. I didn't know what it was. But I have shared, but I thank God for my bride. Who would write me letters? the size of small novels packed <laughs> in these itty-bitty envelopes sharing the gospel. Sergeant Captain Pollen, hard-charging Marine, also a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I would get stuck on, I would say, get stuck on barracks duty and Sergeant cap was the duty NCO. I was just his assistant duty. And for that 24 hours, he would preach. And he would preach. Can I be on duty with anybody else besides Sergeant Cap? But I thank God for Sergeant Cap. Because he was opening my eyes. The Lord was using him to open my eyes and my bride to what I was. I said, God have mercy on me. I'm not worthy of your kindness your mercy I have nothing to give you but this worthless hunk of flesh I give it to you whatever you want to do with it have your way and may you be glorified I didn't know what all in my mind what it would look like but I thank God as He's changed my life? He says, where in this next section of Scripture that we looked at, he says, you know, uh, a father honors, is, is honored by the son. A master has respect by his servants. And if I'm a father, if I am a, a master, where is my honor? Where is my respect? Israel had slipped back and gone to just doing what they did before they were sent into exile and just going through emotions. As I will say, America 2022, a lot of people will say, oh yes, I'm a Christian. And I've listened to your mouth. (laughs) How you were speaking to this person and that person How is that? It's just words. Is it God honoring? No. I can't see the heart. You can't see the heart. But God sees the hearts. He knows. He knows those that are His. You've heard people testifying as you're sharing the gospel with other folks well so and so goes to your church and, well they're going to heaven I know I am because I'm a whole lot better than that shyster and it just really our actions what do they say about what we love what are we devoted to Do we love Him? We just love a thought that we have that we try to say, oh, that's for the Lord, but really we're just looking at ourselves. Regardless of what we say, our lives will declare what we really believe and what we really love. been out door to door. Get to these people's house and we know them and we know what they're into. Oh yes, I'm a Christian. Really? When all of this is going on in your world? Everybody knows the life that you're living, is that honoring to God? And you're representing him? That's what we're to be doing. We represent the king. We are His ambassadors, that they may see what our God looks like and what He is like. In First Peter chapter 2, you can probably remember this. When the Holy Spirit is speaking through Peter to the church... He has made us that kingdom of priests. As a child of the king, we are the priests. We are there as his ambassadors to make known the glory of God. In chapter 1. Or excuse me, chapter 2, 1 Peter, chapter 2, 9 through 12. But he continues... Close to the verses that I had pulled out earlier. Back in Colossians. Chapter 1. Verse 9. For this reason also, Paul is writing to the church at Colossae. For this reason also, since the day we heard of it, we have not ceased to pray for you. And to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will. In all spiritual wisdom and understanding. So that you may walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. So that you may walk in a manner worthy of of the Lord to please Him, in all respects, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. You can't say, "Well, well, I know a couple of verses, so I'm good." We're to be continually increasing. If there's going to be an end point, do you realize? That heaven sounds like it's going to be really boring. So, oh, I'm going to get there. Oh, I'm going to know it. So I'm going to be fine. I don't know what I'm going to be doing. It's going to be kind of dull. No. Worshiping and understanding the beauty and the power of our God. is just overwhelming. Heaven is not going to be a boring place. In His presence, in His kingdom. We're not going to be bored. Okay. Oh, that verse, I've heard that before. Now, praise God for that verse. Praise God for His mercy. That I'm only in this place because of Him. Glory be His name. Glory to His name. Also back in the book of Romans. Chapter 2. Paul was writing again to the church and thinking of how the church or, or, or uh, Israel was coming back out of captivity and how so many people act who claim and say they know Christ or that Christ knows them and how they act. He says in Romans chapter 2, verse 24, Romans 2, 24, for the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you, as it is written. Is the lost world mocking at our God because of the way that we are acting, the way that we are conducting ourselves, the way that we are treating one another? Are they laughing and mocking at my God? Are they blaspheming His name? Because of the way, the way that we act. As Israel was back in the land, drifting back to the way they came from to before they went into captivity, are our actions looking like it's giving fodder to those who want to mock and laugh at God? That the Gentiles, that those who don't know the King of kings and Lord of lords, will say, so your God is that great, and that you do this. Now granted, the lost world will point fingers and make accusations. Regardless of what you do. I do know that. But we don't have to give them ammunition to continue. That our lives declare more of His beauty. Regardless, again, as I said, regardless of what we say, our lives declare what we really believe and love. And in America, we know how to play the game called church. To look on the outside, but internally, not very well. God knows our hearts and our minds. Again, I think I shared this with Pastor Another Georgia Boy. Uh, he had preached uh, back in our West Virginia uh, church. Uh, Jim Britt. And he made the comment. He did uh, supporting of a lot of uh, missionaries and churches and other places around the world. He said, I love to go overseas and meet real Christians. I'm thinking, that's a very brassy statement. Who does he think he is? (laughs) My first trip overseas was on one of his trips into Romania. And Romania had just, just a couple of years, two, about two years, they had were able to get rid of the dictator Ceausescu, and the country was opening up away from communism. We were able to go back in and hearing their stories and what they have gone through for the sake and the glory of Christ. Say, what am I, Lord? Have mercy on me, God. I need them to teach me. I have nothing to teach them. These are amazing believers. And being in Russia, seeing their, their testimony and what they have endured. Other brothers and sisters in Nepal and other places... What they have endured. But they've stood strong. They didn't compromise. They held fast. Regardless of what the world does and says. They stay true. We don't need to be bored with God. We don't need to say. It's not that big of a deal. When they would be. Killed. Tortured for the sake of Christ we play we have a facade in this nation we we have this facade of oh this is what it is no our text this declares what does his church look like and his church is beautiful his church looks like him Again, in Hebrews 4.12, where he says that his word is sharper than any two-edged sword. Able to separate between soul and spirit, joint and marrow. And he's able to judge the intentions of our hearts. He, He sees us. Regardless of the words that we give, God knows what's happening here and in here. We don't need to put on a we, we can't put on a facade to fool God he knows us so the call let's live like his people Matthew 721 I called it the scariest verse in all of scripture where he says not everyone who says to me Lord Lord shall enter into the kingdom of heaven then verse 22. But Lord, we prophesied in your name. We did this in your name. We did miracles in your name. Healed in your name. Verse 23, Jesus says, I never knew you. They thought they were okay. Let's live a life that demonstrates that we're only okay in Him. That He is our joy. He is our greatest treasure he is our peace. Where's your heart this morning? That's what the rest of the book of Malachi, there's the uh, the front end, what they're working with. And as Lord willing, we go through more, we'll see more, but may God receive the glory. But where's your heart? How are you before the King of Kings? What does he say about you? And I ask, what does he say about me? May I honor him. May I please him. Let's pray. Lord, you know our hearts. We can't play a facade that's going to fool you. You know us the call as you've given us in your word, that unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. If we don't own our sin and repent of it and declare you as the holy judge, we ask that you will be pleased, that you will be praised. Help us in this crazy time that we're living in. You have placed us at this time and at this place. God, may you... May you be honored. Give us wisdom to know how to represent you. And to share your grace. Be glorified now, Father. In Jesus' name, amen.